Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. I want to talk today, it's a standalone sermon, next Sunday... I am uh, I'm going to start another series that I'm excited about simply entitled Live 10. Jesus said in John 10 and 10, I have come that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. And we're going to talk about Live 10 next week. And so I'm excited about that. It'll be a four-part series, and we'll go into the first Sunday in March with that. And we'll conclude that on on the day of our 24th pastoral anniversary, and I will give a State of the Union address that day. It's going to be an awesome, awesome time. And then uh, Wednesday night, we're back into becoming the person you want to be. Did anybody enjoy Pastor Scott Wednesday night? Anybody enjoy him? Wasn't that great? Wasn't that awesome? A lot of needs in our church. A lot of people have hurts. A lot of people have pain. A lot of people are suffering today. And God is able. To do exceeding abundantly above that we're able to ask or think. Amen. I want to talk to you today about the church's need. The church's need. And there's a scripture in the book of Samuel chapter 1 verse 1 through 3. Now there was a certain man of Ramoth Zophan of Mount Ephraim. And his name was Elkanah the son of Jehoram. And the son of Elihu the son of Tohu and the son of Zuth and Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah. The name of the other was Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no kids. This man went up out of his city early to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. The two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas, the priest of the Lord, were there. I'm going to speak today on the church's need. The church's need. It is something that I have used all over the country. It's something that I have talked about everywhere. And I want to talk to you about it today. The church's need. Turn to somebody and say, I want to be a part. Say, I want to be a part to fulfill the need of God's church. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you in the name of the Lord. We're going to have prayer at the end of service so prayer counselors be ready. In all my ministry, I have preached about this man perhaps once or twice in this service, this church. I spoke of his wife, Hannah. I spoke of their son, Samuel. I preached about Penina. I elaborated on Eli. Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of the priest Eli, have received times of my ministry. But this certain man, this man named Elkinah, means whom God has acquired. It is as if God said, I want this man on my team. He was a Kohathite Levite. In the priestly lineage, the Levites were the priestly lineage. In the line of Heman, the singer, whom David used. Yet he belonged to the tribe of Ephraim. Let me explain. The Kohathites lived around the house of God. They were part of the furniture movers. And their duty was the Ark of the Covenant and the holy objects. They had to move those things when the the house of the Lord moved and when the tent moved. And the Levites were to minister in the house of God. The name Ephraim means fruitfulness. So here was a man 
who loved the ministry, loved God's house, who was a blessed man. Here was a man who loved ministry, loved God's house, who was a blessed man. And the blessed man came to Shiloh to worship with his family. And what some people do not know was that Shiloh at that time was in shambles. Not by the priest Eli. He was a good man. But he had blurred vision. The Bible said without a vision, people perish. That means they take off all restraints. There is no holding back to what they will do with their flesh. And Hophni and Phinehas, his sons, were charlatans. They did not have vision because their dad's eyes were dim. They were just playboys. And taking the pure daughters of families and they made prostitutes of them. In fact, when they carried the Ark of the Covenant to battle against the Philistines, it was captured. It really was. Something that had never happened previously. It's as if God was saying, I'd rather be with someone who did not know about me but would respect my glory than to be with people who profane my presence. And the lamp of the Lord was slowly extinguishing. And it's an honor to hear in the Bible that God calls Samuel ere the lamp went out. In other words, before the lamp went out. The priest's sons were profane. The priest was blind, no vision to their sin. The house of God was a gory mess. And yet, and yet, here comes a man that the Lord has acquired. And he worships God in Shiloh. He worships God in the turmoil. He worships God when there is sin in the assembly. He worships God while surrounded by profaneness. He worships God with a priest that does not know how to correct his own family. He worships God with sin in the congregation. He worships God when one of his wives is barren. He worships God when the blessed wife is provoking the barren wife. He worships God when things are not right at home. He worships God when it's more vogue to see what's wrong with the church than what's right with the church. He worships God when nobody else is really worshiping God and worship he did. I'm here to declare something to you right now. You're not sitting in a place like that. You're sitting in a place where people honor God. You're sitting in a place where a pastor has vision. You're sitting in a place where the pastor's family is walking right and exact in the kingdom of God. So I'm going to ask you, what is your problem today about your worship if you don't come to the house of the Lord to worship? Here's a man that did not matter what was going on in God's house. It didn't matter what happened to the house of God. He was going to come and do what he's supposed to do, and that was worship the living God in his heart. Somebody ought to clap their hands right now and say, I'm going to worship today. I am. You know, there's a ball game going to be played tonight in New York City, and they're so happy it's being played in 45-degree weather and light winds, and everybody's excited because Peyton will have a good night to throw the ball, and Russell will run on a dry field, and they love it, they love it, they love it. And there's going to be half the crowd there today that's going to go home losers. And half of America that's going to turn their TVs off and say, ah, but for four hours tonight, because the commercials will take longer than normal, 
for four hours tonight, there's going to be cheering on both sides. Oh, I'm fixing to preach now. When Denver makes a touchdown or kicks a field goal, the Seattle fans will get up and go to the refrigerator. When Seattle does something, the Denver fans will be cussing and throwing shoes. But when their team does good, they're all going to be cheering, right? Am I right? You know why? Because that's religion. That's religion. I'm here to declare to you, I don't have a religion. I have an experience. I have a God factor in my life. And when it rains, I'm going to worship. And when the sun comes out, I'm going to worship. And when I'm hurting and sick, I'm going to worship. And when I'm down in the dumps, I'm going to worship. And when things are going bad, I'm going to worship. And when things are going good, I'm going to worship. I'm going to be a what God needs in His church in this hour. The word certain carries two connotations. One means a definite or particular as a certain person. The other is to know without a doubt they're settled. They're certain about something. So it's a particular person and it's a settled person. The church is in needs of people who will worship no matter what's going on around them. No matter who's messing up. No matter what the score is. No matter how many people have died because of disease. No matter how many people are sick today. We still need to honor Jesus Christ with our worship. I am coming to Shiloh. I'm coming to Christian Life Church today to worship Almighty God in my spirit. Say amen to that. See, Elkinah, Elkinah lived by three principles. Number one, he lived above sea level. He lived above sea level. The good book declares what is seen is temporal. What is unseen is eternal. He refused to let what he saw and what was happening at the church stop his worship. I have seen people that have told me, I have seen too much in church to worship. I've seen too much hypocrisy. I've seen people fail. I see problems. I see people getting sick and people dying, Pastor. And so I just can't worship. But the one that rings in my ear the most is I have seen people, pastor, good people, die and not healed. I've witnessed the good dying young. I have seen cancers destroy. I've seen heart ailments come to wonderful people. Death has taken away the ones that I loved. And inevitably they say, why do the good die and the wicked live? David asked that. He said, why does this people get exalted and these people are hurting? He said, but when I went to the house of the Lord, and I understood after I worshipped him the end of it all. Then I understood that God is not going to let the wicked always win. There's going to be a day when the saints will rejoice with him on the other side of the rainbow. Amen. And so I'm going to praise him. These people are good people. But they live below sea level. They live at a level of seeing. Seeing is believing. Everything they see is negative. Temporal things usually are. And it takes away from their worship. Jeremiah said in Lamentations 3.51, my eyes affected my heart. There used to be a young man that came here and worshiped in this church that was a highly skilled young man, highly educated young man. 
And I love education. I preach education. I talk education. He had a sister in his family who was mentally challenged. She was a young lady who was sweet as she could be, but she was challenged mentally. She had been that way for a long time. He made a request for her every service. We used to take prayer requests, and many times we'd read them. And she, for some reason, was never healed. He walked away and said he had seen enough. Let me remind you that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It never has, and it never will come by sight. Man does look on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And I've got to have a Job mentality in this house today. I don't care what happens, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I got a phone call from one of our young men just the other day. We talked for a long time. He said, Pastor, he's struggling. He's struggling right now. He's struggling. Some of your brothers and sisters are struggling right now with pain in their life. He said, Pastor, I've kind of run out of faith. Would you pray for me and give me some faith? Would you help me with faith today? And we prayed, and the Holy Ghost touched the line, and we began to praise the Lord together. And he went through a surgery just yesterday, just last night, an emergency surgery, and I've called a check. I haven't received any response, but I'm going to go see him today. But here's the bottom line. It does not matter. It really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we're wounded or we're healed, if we're down or we're up, if we're persecuted or we're blessed. It doesn't matter. Jesus Christ is worthy of everything. He's worthy of everything. It's not sea level. It's living above sea level. It's living above what you see to understand who you are in Christ. Somebody needs to tell this preacher to keep on preaching right now. Because I may not see it today, I will keep believing that it will come to pass. Job said, mine eyes is dim by reason of sorrow. Sorrow affects your sight. It really does. There was a precious lady just called me on Friday, just call me on Friday, was headed to San Antonio. Her daughter, the woman's name is Helen Van Landingham. I have not seen her this morning, but I told her I wanted to preach about this. Her daughter had given birth at the age of 43 to the second child, a little girl named Laura. And Helen was on her way down because when the baby was born, the husband, seeing perhaps something on the baby's face that was not normal looking, fell out, looked like in a heart attack. They had to put him in ICU. And the mother was looking at this child that didn't look like it was going to work. It didn't look like it was going to make it in life. But here's what happens in a little while. Church prayed. Many of you have been on the prayer line on Facebook. You've been on the prayer line. Let me, let me tell you about some answered prayers today, okay? Helen Van Landingham called me back yesterday and said, Pastor, oh, Pastor. And she's rejoicing. On Friday, she was sorrowful. On Saturday, she was rejoicing. Pastor, the man, her husband, is going home today. Said it wasn't anything, it wasn't, it wasn't a heart attack, it was a little afib and said his heart got back into rhythm by itself and he's going home today and said as far as the baby's concerned, the doctors checked her and there is no Down syndrome genetic in her at all, not at all. It's probably because she stayed in the birth canal a little long and the eyes just looked a little different. I'm here to tell you, the God that was worshipped on Friday can be worshipped on Saturday and can be magnified on Sunday. You got to live above sea level. Amen. Amen. 
Everything on earth is dictated by sea, S-E-A level. If you live below it, you're in danger of floods and loss and fear. And there's no natural drainage, no natural water release. Everything has to be forced out. But there is a natural cleansing when you get above sea level, S-E-A. So it is with spiritual sea level. Remember, the eyes will affect your heart. So Elkanah came to Shiloh saying, I don't understand everything that's going on here. But I didn't come to figure that out. I'm not here to look for the bad. I'm not here because I'm sick. I'm here because I want to worship God. Clap your hands all over the house. Point number two. Elkanah had a a thesis that said God is my only constant. How many believe that? How many have understood that friends will walk out on you? How many understood that family does sometimes? How many understand that people that work for you, that people that you work for will walk out on you and say it's over just that quick? Anybody ever had a God tell you it's over? No, you know what he tells you? It ain't over till I say it's over. And when I say it's over, you're going to be with me. Nothing absolute in this world but God. He's the constant. He is the rock. If you want to know something about God, study rocks. Amen. James said, every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of light, in whom is no variableness or shadow of turning. There is not the least possibility that God will ever change. In the midst of a changing world, that you can buy a computer today and it probably will be obsolete in a week. You've got to have something constant. Old Faithful in Yellowstone erupts every 55 minutes. You can set your clock by it and see it for yourself. The one I serve, the faithful made Old Faithful. David said God is faithful. Jeremiah in the book of Lamentation 3.23 said the Lord's mercies are new every morning. And great is thy faithfulness. Jeremiah never had a convert, could not point to anyone and say, I want him to the Lord. But FDR said there will be a chicken in every pot and a car in every garage. I want to talk about one of those heroines in this church many of you have never met and did not know. Her name was simply Tink, or Metha Deal, Tink Deal. I pastored her several years ago when she was in her 80s. I will not tell you how many years in her 80s because she might not like it even now. She battled cancer, and she won. And for two years, she battled and lost her hair, but she still had her faith. And in all her chemo treatments, she never, never, never charged God not once or thought about leaving his plan for her life. What America needs is not a chicken in every pot and a car in every garage. They need a tink in every church. Oh, I am. I pastored another lady named Marge Sloman. She, I wrote about her in my book. Marge Sloman was my hero. I called her my almond joy. She always brought me almonds. She told me to eat nine a day and I would not have cholesterol. So I ate 27 so my cholesterol would go down. <laughs> Marge Sloman, every time I got through preaching, every time I got through preaching, I couldn't leave this church without Marge hugging me and said, you did the best you've ever done today. I knew better. I knew better. Marge went through some crisis in her life. 
went through some crisis with her family. Her husband used to be a Pentecostal, Assembly of God pastor, and they were great, great people, and they loved God. And she lost him early in life, and she lived alone the rest of her life, but she never missed coming to the house of the Lord. And every time I'd walk down the aisle, she would be there to hug me. And she said, how are you running on Almond Joys? I said, I'm running good. Thank you. She'd ask me the next week, how are you running? And she, if I didn't have enough, she'd bring me a sack. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. People like that is what the church needs in this hour. People like that, it doesn't matter if things are good or things are bad. They understand that there is a constant in their life. And his name is Almighty God. Hallelujah. And he loves us with everything that's in us. Come on, clap your hands and rejoice in that because that's what Super Bowl Sunday preaching is all about. Some are going to win, some are going to lose, but we're going to worship God in our life. He is our constant. He's our constant. The third thing that Elkanah had was the fact that he had no alternative in his life. There was no alternative. There's no alternative. Everything in our world seems to have an alternate. In the Olympics, there are alternates. Many of you watch the X Games. I kind of, I've kind of fallen in like to the X Games. I like those long-haired boys that turn those seven or eight flips in the air. Reminds me of me when I was young. If you believe that, I got a bridge to sell you in New York City. <laughs> Miss America has an alternate. There are alternate lifestyles. Just a substitute for the real thing. Even in church world, there are alternates. Traditional service, contemporary service. Trying to find worship service that will appease and appeal to the masses. But there is no substitute for God. He said, there is no other God beside me. He is omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He does not know another God. Jesus said God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Peter asked in John 6 when everybody had left after the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus said, will you also go away? And he said, where will we go? You're the only one that has the words of eternal life. There's a lot of people that call themselves Messiah, but nobody can do us like you can do us, Lord. Nobody. There's no alternate in your world. And David said this, if I prefer not Jerusalem, everybody say above, above. my chief joy. Let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth and let my right hand forget its cunning. David said, if I prefer not Jerusalem, above my chief joy. Now, I've got to confess today, I enjoy golf. It's Super Bowl Sunday. I'm going to make that confession. Forgive me. Some people love to fish. Richard Johnson, when he first came here one day, he came to me, young Richard, and he came to me and he said, Pastor, I'm going to take you fishing real soon. And I looked at him and I said, Richard, I hate fishing. <laughs> he never has asked me again. He's been here since 1992, 22 years. But I hate fishing. I still hate fishing. If you want to go fish, go fish. I can preach against that. I don't like to hunt. But if you want to hunt, go do it. I've asked probably everybody in this church, what would you get this season? Some of you sound like you went over your limit. <laughs> Just a thought. But God has got to be above. My like for golf, your like for fishing, your like for hunting. God don't want you to be unhappy and not get to have some hobbies in your life. But God's not your hobby. 
Come on. God's not your hobby. So today, when you click it off after watching all the commercials and all the passes and all the fumbles and all the runs, you click it off and say, congratulations, Denver, Seattle, whatever, whatever, whatever. Doesn't matter. Congratulations. But I'm going to stick to the God of heaven. Because there's no alternative to God. If I do not prefer Jerusalem above my chief joy, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. Let my right hand forget its cunning. I must consider, and I'm closing, God as my chief joy. Whatever brings you joy in this world, God has to be one step above it. Anybody ever seen Fiddler on the Roof? One of my favorite musicals. Tevi, the Fiddler on the Roof, has five daughters. They're all married outside of his wishes. Every one of them pushed his limit a little further. Finally, he says in desperation, I cannot go against my raisins. It would hurt my people. If I try to bend that far, I will break. Then he says, but on the other hand, on the other hand, and he's considering where his daughters have pushed him to. But he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. There is no other hand. What he's saying is, my conviction for God, my conviction for this church, is that this church continues to be a church that exercises its freedom to worship God. There is no other hand. This is what we are. This is who we are. This is what we're about. Amen. The principle of Elkina was there was no other hand. If he's God on Sunday, he's God on Monday. If he's God in the good times, he's God in the bad times. If he's God when you're up, he's God when you're down. He's God when you're sick. He's God when you're well. If he's God when you're healed, he's God when you're disabled. Naaman the leper looked for a substitute when Elisha told him he had to wash in the river of Jordan. He said, why not the rivers of Abana and Farpar? One of them means gold, the other means descending. But he had to go by the word, the Jordan River, no substitute. The healing was in the Jordan. A substitute would refresh, but there was no healing there. Only at Jordan, only at Jordan, only at Jordan. And when Naaman went down and dipped in the Jordan River, he came out whole. He walked away whole. And he said, I thought, but now I know that there's no God like the God of Israel. And I will declare to you, I don't want you to leave and just feel good and be refreshed. I want you to leave church every time you come cleansed and healed because God is our only hope. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.